we are carrying on with our series this morning, A Life Without Lack, and we are going to do what we have been doing every week as we're going to read through the psalm together. Now, we're going to do it a little differently today. I'm going to have you guys all stand. We're going to read through it, and I'm going to invite you to sit and I'm gonna read it to you again. And the reason for that is sometimes we can get very familiar with it, right? We stand up, we do our thing, we drink our coffee, we sit down, we're like, okay, let's go. And uh, today, what I want us to do is we sit, and as you hear me read it to you, I want you to be very present. I want you to engage all parts of yourself. I want you to be aware of your body. I want you to engage all parts of your soul all the parts that might be distracted or thinking about other things. And sometimes that's easier to do when we're just sitting and listening. This is going to connect with what I'm talking about today. So I'm going to invite you all to stand right now and let's go ahead and read. We're reading Psalm 23 and it'll be up on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, go ahead and take your seat. I just want to invite you to close your eyes and take a couple of kind of deep breaths and just be aware of your body and how you're seated. Just be aware of the room and the space that you're in. Just be aware of why you came this morning, of who you came to meet with. And as I read the psalm to you, I just want to encourage you to imagine the shepherd this morning. Imagine his presence here with you and what he wants to do. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you this morning that you're here with us. 
Jesus, we thank you that you came for all of us. Not for the good parts, not for the best parts, not for the parts that feel able, for all of the parts. And Lord Jesus, I believe that this morning that you want to give us a revelation that you are the good shepherd. And Lord, for that to happen, we want to ask and agree this morning that you would break off chains and you would pull down strongholds. Because we need to see you as you are, God. And sometimes we are clouded and the narrative in our head is not accurate and it's not true. And we've come in here this morning with all the stuff that we believe. And we just want to ask Jesus, would you pull away and would you expose truth, God? Pull away the lies, pull back all the distractions. And I pray that you would go right for that place in our soul this morning that needs your refreshment. Because, God, we can't do it ourselves. We're totally dependent on you. I can't preach this message. I can't do this work. Only your Holy Spirit can do that. And we want to say yes to you as best as we can with what we have this morning. We want to say yes to you. God, would you come and meet us exactly where we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in this series called A Life Without Lack, and we're looking at Psalm 23. If you've not been with us leading up to today, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the messages that Dave has been preaching. They kind of build on each other. They're all connected. They've all been really great, and you can access those online. We've been reflecting on the Good Shepherd. We've been thinking about the one who meets all our needs in our life. And we've been talking a lot about lack and this idea that we often live like something's missing, like there's something we're missing in our lives. And we've been talking about how do we live into this truth that if we can live a life without lack, then we need to have a shepherd. And how do we follow that shepherd? How do we hear his voice? How do we interact with him? You see, lack has a funny way of sneaking into all the edges and all the corners of our lives, doesn't it? It doesn't always show up like front and center and we say, oh yeah, I see this area where I'm just not believing God can meet all my needs. Sometimes it does, but often it's in these secret tiny little places of our souls. It gets into all the corners and the cracks. And lack by its very nature makes us feel pressed and cornered and without options, like it's on us. We need to take back control of our lives in whatever area it is. We feel pressed into this corner like, I don't have it and I need it, I've got to go after it, I've got to do something. And it begins to drive us to this place of control and it drives us to this place of a pace of life that's unsustainable. Everything speeds up, everything feels pressured. Some of you might remember, because I've said it twice in sermons, that I adopted a puppy last year. And uh, we have a, a seven-month-old dog called Callie, and she is what we call an Australian cattle dog. She's a herding dog. Now, when you adopt a herding dog, it's like they give you all these warnings. High energy, insanely smart, and it's in their DNA, it's in their instincts to herd. Now, this dog is, has never been on a farm. I don't think she's ever seen a sheep. But she has that instinct. She has that drive to, to herd. And we brought her home when she was three months old. And we started to see that as my children, have two boys, would run through the house, she'd begin to pick up speed. <laughs> and she'd come up behind them and very gently 
give him a little nip to the back of the legs. And we were like, okay, we're gonna have to kind of do some training and all of that stuff. So unfortunately, it wasn't just the children. She, she also enjoyed nipping at me. And so when you're in your house and your dog comes up behind you, gives you a good nip on the behind, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> but when you're walking down the street <laughs> and there's a lot of people, and out of nowhere, your dog just jumps up and gives you a good nip, it's really awkward. It's really like, oh no, this cannot go on, right? So this, the way that herding works is they, they want you to do something. They want you to go in a certain direction. You know, these dogs are used to herd groups of sheep. And what they do is they move behind sheep and they create pressure by nipping at them. They press them from behind. So, you know, we've been working with our dog and she's actually really great now and there's not so much of that going on thankfully. Um, but this is how herding works. It like creates this pressure behind you where you feel like, oh, I've got to go this way. I've got to go that way. We feel pressed. We feel cornered. The speed picks up and the sheep begin to run. And the thing is, the more the sheep run, the faster the cattle dog runs behind them. This is how lack works in our life. It's just like a cattle dog. It runs behind us and will nip at our heels and will say to us, this is the way that you need to go. Feel this pressure behind you. Feel all this stuff that you don't have, that you need to have. You've got to go get that yourself. Let me drive the course of your life. Let me set the pace of who you will be and how you will live. Psalm 23 clearly shows us that we are the sheep. But who is guiding your life this morning? What is driving you? What is leading you? Is it the cattle dog or is it the shepherd? See, what happens when the cattle dog of lack drives us behind? We're running, we're running, and the pace is so fast. And our souls weren't made for that kind of pace. Our souls were made for a shepherd, not for a dog that barks and nips behind us. And we can't keep up with that kind of pace, and so we're weary and we're exhausted, and we're tired, and we're saying things like, I don't want to hustle anymore. I don't want to have to fight anymore. I don't want to have to push through. Man, this is hard. I'm so tired, and I'm so weary. And our souls are overextended, overcommitted, because something's always pressing us from behind. And so we begin to see that our souls are not as they should be, and they get discouraged. They become hopeless, maybe even despairing. David introduces this idea of the soul in verse 3 when he says, he refreshes my soul. But what is a soul? Like, what, what are we even talking about this morning? In his book, Holy Longing, Ronald Rollhauser says this, what is a soul? It would be interesting to record impressions of what comes to mind spontaneously when one hears the word soul. For many of us, I suspect, the word to the extent that it conjured up anything at all produces an image, a very vague one, of some white, semi-invisible spiritual tissue paper that floats deep inside of us, which takes on stains when we sin, and that will separate from the body at the moment of death. What is wrong with that conception, though, is that it separates the soul too much from the core of our persons, from our conscious identity. Our soul is not something we have, it's something we are. It's the very life pulse within us, that which names us alive. Rollhauser calls it the life pulse. Dallas Willard describes it as the life center. 
The soul is kind of the happening part of us, the core, the central piece is what makes us us. It's the mind, body, and, so and spirit all integrated. And God's intention for our soul is that that would all be complete and connected, that it would be whole, that it would be connected all within us and with one another and with God. There would be this sense that everything is as it should be. It would be a place of goodness and beauty and creativity and bravery and courage and strength and peace. I wonder how many of us feel like we're living that this morning. How many of us could raise our hand and say, my soul feels so good. I feel so complete and whole, so at peace. I'm free from fear and anxiety. I feel so connected to myself, my desires, my dreams, to other people, in relationship to God. I don't know about you, but I think if we took a poll here this morning, most of us would say, hmm, maybe not so much. I think most of us could probably relate more to the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 42, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? See, even the psalmist is writing about, my soul experiences the sense of being downcast, despairing, discouraged, desperate. Our souls this morning are tired and fractured, aren't they? I mean, if we were honest with ourselves and with God, we're exhausted and we're weary. And David knew this when he wrote Psalm 23, and he said, he refreshes my soul. See, we're tired of always having to fight for everything in life. We're weary of having to give it all again and again and again and feeling dry and feeling lifeless. See, if our souls could talk this morning, probably what they would say would be help. Help. I can't maintain this. I can't sustain this pace. I can't hold on to all the things that you're carrying. And then there's all the heartbreak and the regrets and the memories and the pain and the disappointment and all the tragic things that have happened to us, that have happened around us. And those things are so huge and our soul can't carry them. And it's like, what to do with all of this? And so we bury it. We push it down and we bury it and we try to move on. But as my mentor Jerry says, whatever you bury, you bury alive. So we live with all this stuff in us and then something happens and we're triggered. And it's like, oh, this thing comes popping back up again and it's like, oh, my soul. And like it aches. And we begin to construct this narrative about our lives that we're lonely and rejected and alone and, and nobody can deal with our soul. Nobody wants the broken parts. So we just got to keep moving. And all the time we hear the cattle dog barking and nipping. And it's like, just keep the pace going. Just keep pushing forwards. And then we come to church and we hear about these like peaceful pastures and these quiet waters and we think that sounds great. We sit in our seats and we sing our songs and we talk about a shepherd, a shepherd that's supposed to be meeting all of our needs. And we think that's not been my experience. I don't feel like I live that every day. So we sit here and we have to reconcile that, right? Well, we're hearing his truth about God and then our experience, and then we say, well, maybe Psalm 23, that's not a way to live. That's just something we can experience in moments, right? 
That's just a thing that I can expect here and there when I'm having a spiritual high, when it's a good Sunday, when worship's great. Like that might be something I can experience just for a brief moment. And so we begin to treat God like he's an electrical outlet. And we come on Sunday and we plug in and we juice up. And we're like, okay, full battery, I'm good. And then we live the rest of the week just being drained, 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 spending it. And we look at our souls and suddenly it's flashing red and we're like, shoot, I've got two more days till Sunday. How am I going to keep going? So we're going to shut down, right? Try and save a little bit of energy, save a little bit of that sense of connectedness with Jesus. And we treat God like this. Maybe we go to CGE as a quick bump through the week. Maybe we pick up our Bibles and we get a quick bump for the day. And we have the, expect these moments, but we don't expect a life. And so all the time what's happening to our souls is we begin to feel lifeless and sluggish. And then we go, we plug in, we're like, boom, okay, I can, keep, I can do this, I can do this. That was a good message, yeah, yeah. Tuesday morning, oh, lifeless, drained, what do I do? I wonder if you've ever felt so broken in your soul that you feel like nothing can heal you. I wonder if you've ever felt like the pieces of your soul are almost missing. It's like I feel so disconnected from my story, from my past, from my memories. I feel so disconnected from myself and what I even hoped for. I've been so disappointed. It's almost like they've kind of been pulled apart and shredded. And it's like I don't even know all the pieces to bring Jesus. Like I, don't, I can't even see them. They feel so broken. This life without lack, it sounds good. But how could you imagine that when all of the pieces of our souls are crying out, help, I'm lifeless, I'm drained, and I'm weary? And we think about, okay, well, maybe I could bring them to the shepherd, but nobody's ever wanted them before. Like, I tried to share with this person, it was too much, I'm too much for them. Like, it's too much for my own self. Have you ever noticed that? Like, my soul, gosh, you're so aching, like you're in so much pain. I don't know what to do with you. How could I expect anybody else to know what to do with my soul? And so then we kind of transfer that onto Jesus and like, well, he wouldn't want all these pieces. I don't even want all these pieces. And we push all of it down and it's all buried alive and the resurrection life seems such a distant thought. Verse 3, when it says, he refreshes my soul, in the Hebrew literally translates to, he causes my life to return. See, David is essentially saying that without you, I'm dead. He's acknowledging that there's a life source that we need, that our soul needs, that cannot be found in here. Listen, self-help and digging deep is not going to do it. That we were designed and we were destined to be connected to a life source all the time, 24-7. Not that we plug in and go boom for the week, but that we live connected constantly to the source of life that's constantly refreshing our soul. You see, the language here in the Hebrew actually translates to not a one-time thing, but an ongoing experience of living with Jesus. It's this ongoing resurrection to all the lifeless places, all the dead places, all the painful places. See, we're actually
actually designed to need that. Some of us feel bad that we get to Tuesday and we're drained and we're lifeless. But look, the shepherd knows that we're sheep. The shepherd knows that we get tangled up and we get caught and life is hard and painful. There's no shame in saying, Jesus, I need you 24-7. I need to be connected. That's what we were designed for. So this passage, this verse 3 of he refreshes my soul, it's speaking about a shepherd that's not just present one day a week, not just present in moments, but walking alongside of us, seeing the thorns and the pains and the struggle, moving towards us for the purpose of healing. Look, sometimes things come up in our life and it's like, oh, this is so painful, I don't know what to do with it. I don't think Jesus even wants this. And we try and tuck it in a corner and then Jesus is in the room like he's here this morning and he says, I'm going right for that thing. Not because I want to shame you, not because I want to hurt you, because I'm the shepherd and it's what I do, what I do is to restore you. This is my job is to care for you. Don't hide the broken places. It's like a sheep hanging at the back of the flock with a broken leg being like, I'm good. I'm good, I got this, pick up the pace. You know, we're just like trying to keep going. Like, what kind of shepherd that would be like, oh yeah, you're good, you're good, you can keep up. Some of us feel like that's what the shepherd is doing to us. You're good, you can keep up. Yep, you keep going that pace. Serve more, do more, strive more, you'll be good. It's not the kind of shepherd that we serve. Dallas Willard says, the experience of a life without lack demands first and foremost upon, depends first and foremost upon the presence of God in our lives, because the source of this life is God himself. He's saying that every part of the life that we need, the life source, it comes from Jesus, from the shepherd. We're entirely dependent on him. See, maybe you're here this morning and you can recall a time in your life where you felt spiritually alive. Like, I remember that time in college or I remember last year, I remember that moment with God and I felt so alive. I felt like I was hearing his voice. I felt so connected to him. And then we look at our lives now and we're just like, oh, I wish I could get back to that point. I wish I could experience that because we're made to feel like we need life because we're made to be connected to the life source. And when we're disconnected, we still hunger for life. We still hunger to be refreshed. So we try and find it in different ways. We look for relationships. We have encounters and we feel alive for a moment. Or we look for prestige and accomplishments and people looking at us and saying, yeah, yeah, you're good, you've got it together. But we know when we lay in bed at night that none of that really matters because our soul still aches. And we keep wondering, what will stop this ache of my soul? And usually we only hear it in those brief moments when we're still we're quiet and we're alone. Maybe you felt so disappointed by God that you just thought, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull back. Maybe you're here this morning and this is your first time back in church for a long time. Maybe you've been like, man, I just, I, my soul has been aching so much and it's just not work, this Jesus thing, this church thing, this faith thing. And we begin to pull back and we search for life elsewhere. But you know what that search finds? Emptiness, because we're made for one life source. Maybe you're here this morning, you're married. 
Maybe your marriage feels cold and lifeless and sluggish, and there's just this sense of like, you know what, I'm just going to go wander and look for life elsewhere. Quick text here, quick flirtation there. It's nothing serious. It's just to feel that life again. It's just to feel like I'm loved and someone's filling me in all those broken places. We just want to be reminded of what life feels like. But God's word to us this morning is, I am your good shepherd and I will cause the life to return to you. I will refresh you. I want to invite you this morning, whether it's the first time, Whether it's your first time of saying, you know, maybe Jesus can meet this need. Or whether whether it's your millionth time of being here in church and saying, I need it again. I want to invite you this morning to respond to the shepherd and say, Jesus, you are my life source. I can't do this without you. Because that's what we were designed for, that ongoing resurrection power in our lives. Verse 3 concludes with, he guides me along right paths for his name's sake. How does God guide our lives? What does it look like? We're going to turn to John 10, and we're going to read what Jesus has to say. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to John 10. It'll be on the screen as well. This is Jesus speaking, John 10, verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he's telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come. They may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. There's a contrast in this scripture between the shepherd and the hired hand. On one hand, you have the shepherd, who's described in such a way that communicates love and intimacy for his sheep. A willingness to sacrifice his life, to do anything to protect them, that his sheep and he loves them. And on the other hand, we have a man known as the hired hand who's simply there for his own gain, simply there to get paid, a side job, a gig that he's got going on. That in a moment's notice, when the sheep, when the wolf comes to the sheep and his life is endangered and it's going to cost him something, he's going to up and run and abandon the sheep. 
You see, most of us in this room think that God is more like the hired hand than the good shepherd. We think that at a moment's notice that God is going to abandon us, that the good shepherd is going to step away and say, oh, I was busy. I'm so sorry. I forgot about that place in your life that hurts and aches. I forgot about that need. I forgot about that dream. Oh, I'm sorry. I was distracted. See, we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop with God. We're always preparing for disappointment. We're self-protecting and we're striving and we're running with that cattle dog and we're so familiar with the cattle dog because we believe deep down we're more rejectable than we are lovable. That it's easier to believe that God is like the hired hand that will abandon us than it is to believe that surely there's not someone as good as him that will never leave me, that will never abandon me. It's easier to believe that he's like the hired hand. And the hired hand is marked by abandonment. We can't trust him because we don't know what he's going to do. He's going to up and leave. See, a lot of us in this room today have questions. Is God trustworthy? Is God good? Is he kind? Now, you might know the Sunday school answer to that, but I want you to think about that place in your life that hurts the most, that longs the most, that you're still waiting for that breakthrough. You're still waiting for that provision, that place of confusion. And I want you to ask, does that part of the soul trust that he's good, that he sees you, that he's shepherding that part of your life? Or do you think he's just going to up and run like the hired hand? See, when we are not convinced of God's goodness, we'll believe that we're forgotten and overlooked and ultimately abandoned. And then we begin to take matters into our own hands because that's a really unsafe place to be, right? If if God is like the hired hand and we just don't quite know, we're not convinced that he's present and good and kind all the time, that is a very vulnerable place to be in. And our souls don't like to feel vulnerable. That's scary. So we begin to take matters into our own hands. And it's like the British playwright and author William Hanley says, I am the master of my fate and I am the captain of my soul. See, we all want to captain our own soul. And let me put this a different way. We all want to be the shepherd and not the sheep. We all want to be the shepherd. We all want to lead our lives. We all want to be in control. We don't want to be the sheep. The sheep's vulnerable. The sheep's dependent. What if he doesn't come through? What if he forgets? What if it's not everything I ever wanted? See, some of us here, we're convinced we were born to be the shepherd. We're not followers, we're leaders. You know, we know what God should be doing in our life and we're just giving him a little help. We're helping him along. We're looking at the terrain of our lives and we're thinking, I know what I need. I know how to get this done. I see the shortcut over there to the pasture. He is a little slow, right? The shepherd's always a little slow for our liking. So we're like, I'm, just, I'm gonna take a little shortcut. I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna forge ahead, find our own path. We're rushing along, the pace is very fast, and we forget that soul work is slow work. The thing is, we barely even know what a soul is, never mind how to restore it. (laughs) But we all think we know the way to go. We don't need a commander, or a captain, or a master. We need a restorer, we need a shepherd. 
See, some of us lag behind. You're sitting here today and you're like, oh, that, that's a great example, Ruthie. That's not me. I don't do, I don't do that. I'm a great follower. Um, some of us lag behind. <laughs> some of us are unsure if he's trustworthy, so it's best to wait and not move too fast. Best to get assurances and certainties before we step out and follow the shepherd. So we're slow, slow, really slow, really cautious. It's like we need everything lined up before we're like, oh, I, I don't know, really, really, Jesus? Really? Are you sure? Can you show me again? I'm not, you know, we just lag behind. We think we're the holier ones because we don't seem like we're forging ahead. We're waiting on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> See, some of our waiting is disobedience. Some of our waiting is just trying to be a shepherd in a different way. Some of our waiting is fear. But God says, I called you to a life of faith. I called you to a life of risk. I called you to live in such a way that certainties and assurances and knowing every step, that's going to kill your faith. That we need to follow the shepherd and trust him. See, at some point in our lives, we bought into the lie that he's like the hired hand and not the good shepherd. We've built our lives around this lie. You know, we all probably know we shouldn't say it out loud, but deep in our hearts, when, when that bill comes that we don't know how we're gonna pay, when we're facing deep disappointment in relationships, when that work situation or that housing situation is just not going the way we planned, there's something that kicks in that goes into the state of panic and fear and like, what, do I, what should I do? What do I need to do? Instead of going, shepherd, I know you've got me, you see me, we think, you know what? It's probably like the hired hand. He's probably gone and got to do it myself. And this thing just kind of clicks in inside of us. I know exactly what that's like. That happened to me this week. On Monday, something happened. I'm just in my kitchen and I'm crying with God because I'm like, God, everything within me says do this, do this, strategize, all this stuff, and yet you're telling me to trust you. I literally sat on my kitchen floor and cried. I was like, God, I want to trust you. Trust you, but help me with my unbelief. Jesus wants to say to you this morning, I am so much more than the hired hand. I'd lay my life down for you. That guy, he'll cut and run. Any chance that he has to save himself, to abandon you, he, that's that guy. But me, I'm not the hired hand, I'm the good shepherd. I'd lay down my life for you. See, I had the opportunity to cut and run. I could have looked at the cross and said, you know what, this is too difficult. The weight of their sin, their souls, their brokenness, too much for me. I had that opportunity and I stayed. I looked at the flock and I said, man, this is a messed up flock. But I'm not going anywhere because I'm not the hired hand. I'm the good shepherd. And this is who God is in our lives. And we need to wrestle with this. You see, some of us this morning literally need the chains broken off of us and the strongholds pulled down because we've been living a life that relates to a God that behaves like a hired hand. 
that will abandon us and step away from us and ignore us and be silent with us. That's not the good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. Everything he does is good. Every part of him is good. The way he relates to you is good. Where he's going to lead and guide you is good. It might not be comfortable. It might not be easy. It might not be pain-free, but it's good. It's good. Dallas Willard says, God's name is an expression of his nature. What he means by that is he can't say he's a shepherd and then not behave the way that characterizes a shepherd. He can't say, I'm a shepherd, but I'm not a good one. If he says he's a shepherd, then he is everything that a shepherd does. A shepherd that leads you into those green pastures and along those quiet waters. A shepherd that restores your soul, that knows your life, that sees you. He's not a bad shepherd. He's not bad at his job. It's not like he's looking at his job description and saying, good shepherd, room for improvement. He is everything that that title raises up at you and think, okay, really? Is that a good shepherd that's with us, that's present, that's looking out for the flock, that's guiding us? Everything, everything in that job description, he is. See, it's the withness of the shepherd. The cattle dog, the cattle dog is behind, barking and nipping. Some of us think that God is driving us from behind. Some of us think that God is standing over in the next field like, come on, hurry up. Or only speaking to us when we're about to go off the edge of the cliff. And he's like, wait, oh, too late. Shoot. (laughs) Right, some of us think that God is at a distance barking orders to us. But the whole role of the shepherd is that he's with his sheep. It's the withness that makes him a good shepherd. And John 10, it says he goes on ahead of them. He's not out in the distance and we're like, oh no, we've lost him. That's not a good shepherd. A good shepherd sees the sheep and the sheep see him and then they hear his voice. Can you imagine the shepherd calling them by name, by name, by name? Hey, see you. Come back over here. Hey, I'm present. I'm with you. I'm right here. It's the witness of the shepherd. He's so connected, so committed. He's so about the sheep. He's so focused. This is his job. This is what he does. This is what he's about. There's no absence. There's no abandonment. Some of us here this morning, our lives have been marked by absence and abandonment. And we think that he's going to do the same thing. And this morning, my prayer for you and our prayer before service is that you will have a revelation that he is a good shepherd, that he is not going to abandon you. And some of you need to get this, write this down and put it on your mirror and every day say, he is the good shepherd. He will not abandon me. And when that bill comes through the door, we go to the mayor and we say, you know what? Here's the bill. And my experience with, with this kind of thing, this lack, this need, the scarcity, is I go into a panic. And I captain my own ship. But now, no, no, no. Now I follow the good shepherd. So now I'm going to look at that and it says, he won't abandon me because he's not the hired hand. He's the good shepherd. And what I love about John 10 is just how vocal the good shepherd is. See, sometimes we're so familiar with scarcity and lack that we think that God is scarce even with his voice in our lives. 
We expect silence. Listen, if I was at home with my three-year-old sitting in a chair and he walked up to me and said, Mama, and just started talking and asking questions, and I said nothing, and then that went on for minutes and hours and days, and there's a little video camera and you could all watch me, you'd all think, man, she is an awful mother. She's so silent, she's so disconnected. And that's a human. Listen, some of us think that God is just sitting in the corner and refusing to speak to us. God's a talker. He's very vocal. He speaks to his sheep. It'd be like a shepherd just walking along silently. Why aren't they following me? What's the problem when he's not saying anything? You see, he engages with us with his voice. He wants us to hear him. He says, my sheep know my voice. They listen to me. They're not going to follow a stranger. They know me. Do you know the voice of your shepherd this morning? Do you know what he sounds like? You know what he sounds like? His nature. He sounds like everything that he is. Loving, faithful, kind, consistent, generous, compassionate, peace-filled. That's what his voice sounds like. So if you're hearing the voice of God and it sounds like a, a cattle dog nipping at your heels, then you're listening to the wrong voice. And if you're listening to the voice of the shepherd and it sounds like someone barking orders at you, correcting you constantly, shaming you, then you're not listening to the voice of the good shepherd. We need to know what his voice sounds like. Ruth Haley Barton has this great quote, and she says, many of us have allowed ourselves to get caught up in a way of life that does not set us up to pay attention to the presence of God in our lives. We long for a word from the Lord, but somehow we've been suckered into believing the kind of pace we keep is what leadership or the Christian life requires. We slide inexorably into a way of life that offers little or no opportunity for paying attention. And then we wonder why we're not hearing a word from the Lord when we need it. Are you paying attention to the shepherd in your life? Because he's already told us he's here and he's speaking and he cares and he's about restoring and moving towards you and loving you and healing you. But sometimes the pace of life that we keep, it's so fast. It's so dominated by the voice of others or the barking cattle dog or the voice in our head. This has been my experience. But we need to pay attention to the voice of the shepherd. I want to suggest that as we're in this series of A Life Without Lack, I want to encourage you that it will only benefit you to increase your awareness of the presence of God in your life by five minutes a day. Little things. Put on your worship music when you're riding Muni. Sometimes that's the only way to survive Muni, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> that's my experience. I ride Muni like many times a week and I'm just like, okay, in my zone. Um, put on your worship music. Okay, bring the presence of Jesus into your daily life. Resist the urge to treat God and faith like an outlet that you plug into and say, no, this is the battery that never runs out that I carry with me 24-7. So I'm going to live as if that's true. I'm going to live connected. 
I'm going to journal. Maybe you don't journal. Try journaling. Maybe you're going to start meeting up with someone once a week, once every two weeks. Prayer, intentionality, turning your attention to the shepherd. Listen, he's doing his part, and he's inviting us to engage with him. We want to raise our awareness of the presence of the shepherd in our life. What needs to shift in your life to make this possible today? What do you need to tweak? These are not easy conversations to have. My husband and I were having one just this week. Like, is this sustainable? Should we change this? It's like constantly readjusting to make sure that the shepherd is front and center because he's guiding us. Can you see him? Are you racing too far ahead? Are you lagging so far behind? How are you shepherding your own soul this morning? Listen, I feel like there might be some people here today and that you grew up in the church or you've had some kind of church experience and you've been running, running, running. And you're here this morning and you're thinking, that's me? And my soul is so exhausted and I'm so done with trying all the other things. I've tried all the other things and I'm still lifeless. The good shepherd would say to you today, I will cause the life to return to you. That this is a call specifically to you this morning and you know who you are and Jesus literally wants to call you out and say, I see that you've been running, but little sheep, I am coming for you. I have left in the 99 and I am coming for you because I love you and I've watched you try all this stuff and I see that you're, you're lying there lifeless and my heart for you this morning is to restore your soul. If that's you this morning, I want you to invite you to come forward to get prayer. We have carpets at the front here. We have a prayer team in the balcony and at the sides here. Jesus wants to refresh your soul. See, some of us this morning are living, part of us believes, and part of us is struggling to believe. And if that's you this morning, then I invite you to join me in saying, I believe, but help my unbelief. This part of me, I got it, I believe it, but this part of me feels so disappointed, Jesus. Come and engage with him this morning. I want to invite the worship team to go ahead and come, come back up, and we're going to close in prayer. And even this morning, a message like this can be like a shot in the arm, like a plug into the outlet, and we feel great. But what's going to be different on Tuesday morning? What's going to be different on Friday? I want to ask you to sit with that this morning. What may God be asking you to shift in your life? What may God be asking you to put down? The ways that you've tried to shepherd and captain and master your own soul? I want to encourage you to look at your life and think, where am I not trusting him? Where do I think he's more like the hired hand that's going to cut and run as soon as he has a chance? And allow God just to come and minister to that place that feels oh so ready for abandonment. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that you're not the hired hand. You're not the one that's there for personal gain. A side job, a gig that's just like, oh, I'm just doing this because it's good for me, because I get something out of it. But God, you're the good shepherd. You had every opportunity to abandon us, and you didn't. 
Instead, you pressed in and you went the extra length and you gave your life and you gave it all. And Lord Jesus, there's so many parts of us that just haven't experienced that. Lord, this morning, we wanna know in our hearts that you're good. We wanna trust you. And I wanna ask God in Jesus' name that the strongholds would come down and the lies would be broken because God, there is no length that you will not go to on our behalf. Lord, I pray for those in the room that are like that little sheep and you've wandered off and they've been gone for a long time. Would you turn their hearts back to you to hear your voice calling them and saying, I love you and never gave up on you. I even saw the way that you said, I'm done with this, this Jesus, this Christian thing. I'm doing my own thing. I even saw that and I didn't move muscle because I'm a good shepherd and I'm with you. Lord, I pray for people in this room that feel like their soul is so heavy and so weary and so fractured, so disappointed by broken relationships, so lonely. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you do that work of restoration, that you breathe life. Would you just begin to move in this crowd, God, and breathe life, breathe life to our weary, weary places. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen.